0: All podcasts I've been listening to over the Chimpus season, everyone's doing. Um, everyone's doing films of the decades, game rundown of the decades, most important games. What I want us to think about is most influential memes of the decades. Uh, up top, to honor the Chimpus season, Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. My top meme of the decade, I already hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be a funny idea, but yeah. now I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk yeah, No, me-. you banned meme review. <laughs> I did ban meme review. But it's a new deck. just... Uh, what other yeah. memes? Hide your kids, hide your wife. That was the yeah, top was meme a, of the decade. Troll face. Trollface was, uh, I think, post... Well, I think I was pre-2010. Was that? I think it might. That's some old... Trollface is like... Yeah, before, pre-teen... Preteen. Preteen. Which, you know, it's not a happy <laughs> yeah, When it comes to memes.
1: Let's not talk about preteen memes. Uh,
0: preteen memes for A 2019. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Please, cease and desist. Pepe. Pepe. He's, he's a meme that. Controversial meme? Well, he make, became controversial. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I wanted to take that idea. Yeah, you kind of you burnt out a little bit there. I just I thought I thought of inf- top and most influential memes of the decade would be funny, but nah it's, it's uh, I don't know. I want to do something with the idea of um, Yuval Noah Harambe who's uh who's like a meme sociologist. <laughs> he writes a, go- a book called *Sapiens*, but it's uh, it's more about memes. I don't know. <laughs> I've been reading Sapiens it's good isn't it very very good but then we were talking about memes and I was like Yuval Noah Harambe (laughs) I just put that away Uh, somewhere you you, you tuck that into the tuck that away for a bit because that's good that's that's good shit you'll come around oh hey you made it
1: we weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast we found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event
0: yeah do you want to come check it out Sliding right into the DMs of 2020. <laughs> it's
1: worst thing. Ever it's happened. the
0: Don't Go Outside podcast.
1: Welcome to Welcome. the Don't Go Outside podcast.
0: Welcome back. Uh, my name is Pat and with me is Robin. Hello. Uh, we're here to keep you company in the apocalypse. Talk about all the things that can keep you from going outside uh, and having to endure the horrifying... Uh, sites of the post-apocalypse whether that be Rapture whether that be uh, Mad Max Warlords whether it be dragons or gargoyles or anything else literally any every, anything that has happened, did happen no, <laughs> anything that can happen, did happen if you've seen a movie about it, it happened to us baby and uh, we've been uh, keeping ourselves
1: busy I would explain why there's so many inaccuracies about our In in podcast universe, because all of the apocalypses actually happened
0: at once. Yes, it was rough. It was a pretty bad time. wasn't good. Glad we found the vault, to be honest. And uh, there's been a bit of a break between episodes, because we suffered through uh, yet another Chimpus season. Ah, Chimpus. Chimpus. Every year. It's a new post-apocalyptic holiday that replaced Christmas and New Year. Uh, It's been dubbed Chimpus, uh, because all the planet of the apes, apes, they, they go ape!
1: They really like Black Friday, and rather than it just being contained to one day, um, all of the planet of the apes, apes, uh, continue the Black Friday madness all the way through to mid-January, actually, so we've been hunkered down and completely incapable of putting out uh, a recording, Um, whilst the apes have been on the rampage, tearing apart the already torn apart wasteland.
0: Yeah, because if they see you outside, they're going to assume... You're gonna go for those those deals before them, and they will tear you limb from limb.
1: Actually, limb from it's 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 brutal.
0: It's horrible. You, those Planet of the Apes films—they don't do it justice. Uh, as good as they as good as I think they are. Um, I think they're pretty
1: good too. But did you, I mean, Segway actually went out to get some milk. Um, he lost a couple of legs. I mean, he's he's got six, so it's fine for yeah.
0: him. Yeah, but it's weird how he needs a Segway. I know six uh, legs.
1: That's, you think you would walk more if anything, mm. but. To be honest, um, I think I think he does a lot of leg exercises in the gym, and then he feels that he should, you know,
0: shouldn't walk.
1: Like, he's bodybuilder. He's stuff,
0: incapable you know. of skipping leg day. A- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, aye. Uh, so it's been pretty rough, but we've I've been doing. Tons of stuff keeping me busy. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a busy time for me consuming media in the fall. Yeah, do you want to do you want to do you want to tell me what you've been up to? I'll, I'll kick it off, man.
1: Um now I have mainly been watching indie films, as you might guess. Okay, because yeah. all of the media I consume is generally, you know, it it's seen a Sundance. It's mm. you know, it gets reviewed by people with beards and glasses, you know. That's the kind of stuff I consume. Not because I'm one of those, just because. Just what you like. You know, I think I am one of those. I like kind of. it. It's good. Um, so I watched her, her the Spike Jonesy. Jonesy? Don't know. I've not actually. He- I've not watched any of his other films. Um, with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Hansen.
0: <clears throat> Is this the one about the man who falls in love with a computer? Yes. I've not seen it.
1: I've heard it's good though. I would highly, highly <clears throat> recommend it. Um, it's a very interesting film so for anyone who hasn't watched it essentially Joaquin Phoenix's character buys uh, a sentient artificial intelligence and then his relationship with this develops and he develops into a relationship with this Now, he's not unique to this in this universe a lot of other people have bought these artificial intelligences mm-hmm. and that has developed into a relationship but it's quite rare um, and uh, obviously to safe from spoilers but this progresses in such a way um, that isn't entirely beneficial to everyone and all the characters but I would recommend everyone watches it just to experience it um but why I think it's really compelling and why I'd really um, why I would think that you should watch it and any of the listeners should watch it is it's just 10 out of ten world building cool it's really built a universe that is futuristic but believable in such a way that you can understand it and almost touch this future. You can see how that would exist. So, like near future, near future. Yeah. The technology is not too advanced. Mm-hmm. The fashion is not too different. You can kind of see how it, how it would all work. Mm-hmm. But on a larger, a larger sort of thing, it really discusses the idea of a nature of love and relationship with a non-human. Which I think is really cool and sort of under disclosed. Yeah. Um, unless you read that crazy MK Ultra experiment. Well, it wasn't MK Ultra, it was an it was another acid relationship in which Kate uh, in r- acid study where they were trying to see if dolphins could communicate. Some scientist There's a real thing. Real thing. Fell in love with a the dolphin, they all took loads of acid, then they got separated when people realized that you know there was some dolphin loving going on. Mm.
0: Dolphin Dolphins they, are horny bastards. Dolphin though. killed itself. After they got Shh! Shut up. Seriously? What? Killed itself because I it had a broken heart. How I am like like it, that is tragic, but also how does a dolphin go about killing itself? It drowned itself. It drowned itself. I suppose it's surrounded by water. Wild. Anyway, it's a mammal. That's, it, uh, that's
1: It's crazy. It, little little bit off topic, but anyway. Um, and I think I think this is a really fascinating thing. Um, and I ended up talking with my partner after this at length about what. Is that wrong to fall in love with an AI if the AI is of an equal sentience to you? Is that a bad thing? Mm. Um, And my partner immediately responded, had a level of discomfort with this because having a relationship with something that's not physical didn't seem correct. But I would say that there's lots of relationships that people have had that aren't directly physical, whether that be completely online relationships with many people.
0: Yeah, have. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, even if you go back to great Greek myth, um, Peramidas and Thiamy, I think, these are the precursors to Romeo and Juliet. Now, in their story, they never actually met. They t- the whole relationship was through a hole in the wall, and it made me think, well, if we're writing non-contact relationships about this in ancient Greece, how different would it be if Peramidas was an AI? They never mm-hmm. actually met, so... What's so different there? Um, no,
0: no, it doesn't seem that different. Uh, yeah, it's a
1: it's a very it's a very thought provoking film, mm-hmm. and and I've I just thoroughly enjoyed experiencing it, and I would recommend it to anyone else. What are your thoughts on all of that? Non non human to human relationships? I, Joaquin
0: Phoenix, Scarlett
1: Johansson. Tell me all of your thoughts.
0: I mean, I have tons of thoughts about Scarlett Johansson. First off, she's a Let's keep it safe for what. She the best. Okay. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he's good. I like him. I've heard nothing but good things about her, mm-hmm. to be honest. Although I haven't heard much. You know, what I mean, like it kind of came and went, and I missed it. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Oh, have you seen her?" And I was like, "Nah." Can I go see it? It's, nah, it's, it's out of cinemas. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And I just totally forgot about it. Um, yeah, I think her. I seem to remember hearing that. That was the performance that Todd Phillips was like, Joker. Really? I think he watched it and he was like, he's the guy. He's who I want. Uh, but I've not seen the film, so I couldn't draw any parallels between the two.
1: I couldn't draw any parallels, but like other than anyone who watched it would go, whacking Phoenix, I want you in any film.
0: Well, I mean, he is
1: good in <laughs> I'll look- pretty much any film. I think Joaquin Phoenix gets a lot of like, well, actually no, Scarlett Johansson got huge amounts of praise as well. Based like Scarlett Johansson, obviously is compl- she's non corporal in the whole film. She's she's just a voice.
0: Oh, is she the voice of the AI?
1: Um, but she like r- she holds presence, which mm. is uh, just uh, I suppose a testament to her her vocal
0: acting. I th- think she is a wee bit underrated. I think Scarlett Hansen is underrated. Given that she became super famous as Black Widow, Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, "Ah, she's just the girl." Avengers. She's like the she's the female role, Uh, and uh, she did like Ghost in the Shell was meant to be like her big solo thing, but it ended up not doing very well. She's been in stuff. She's been in like small stuff, but she's Mm -hmm. always good, especially good in a film I saw. Recently, called Jojo Rabbit. Oh, That's a little whooshed swish into a new topic there. I like it, man. So I saw Jojo Rabbit. Take Take YTT's new movie. I've not wa- I've not watched it yet, but talk me through it. Talk I've not. Through. If you've not seen it, I won't say anything because I think we were talking about this being a topic of the week. Potentially. Uh it's it's wicked. It's oh, very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Uh, so for those who don't know, it's a film about uh it's about a young boy who lives in uh, Berlin during the Second World War um, and he's grown up to idolise Adolf Hitler because that's just the environment that he's been raised in he he's believes all the propaganda that's been put, he believes Hitler is just like the best person so he's his imaginary friend is Taika YTT as Hitler which is, is, pretty, is pretty good um, and he's determined to make something of himself in the Hitler Youth he, very early on, he is given the nickname Jojo Rabbit, because some of the bigger boys in the Hitler Youth tell him, kill this rabbit, because Hitler wants an army of ruthless killers who can just take take on orders, you know. Um, and there's this scene where he's like, is he going to kill the rabbit? And you're like, oh, this film's going to be, like, sad. <laughs> you know, it's going to be one of those. Uh but he, he can't do it, he runs away, so he gets they call they call him Ah, oh, Jojo Rabbit, you won't kill the rabbit. Um so yeah, he confides in his imaginary Hitler friend. He's like, Oh, ever, just you do you, man, just be yourself. Don't be afraid. I've I've been myself, it's done alright for me. But at this point in history, like Germany is losing the war horde. Like they're just like uh yeah, they're pretty, they're getting pretty desperate. Uh so yes, so where Scott Johansson comes into all of this, he plays the boy's mother and she is like, uh, oh, don't listen to to the Nazis. They're you know, the war's gonna be over soon and everything'll be back to normal. They're just trying to get everyone excited for winning the war. Um and here yeah, it transpires that his mother is um hiding a young Jewish girl in the attic. And the film is kind of really about this young boy's relationship with the Jewish girl. He believes everything he's been told. Uh, as a young impressionable boy, about Jews being like, you know, they they hide their horns under their hair and they can like see in the dark and telepathically communicate with each other. So like the book's about him writing this book, but I'm gonna write about all the things that Jews can do, and she just gives them all these lies just to kind of like, you know, just mess with them and stuff. Uh, but it's really funny. It's a really kind of sweet like relationship that they build up, and he sees that his world has been built on this series of lies told to him since he was a little baby boy. Um, so yeah it's really good It's funny It's one of those films that's funny But like also like pretty sad mm. But I think we spoke about this When we talked about Thor Ragnarok um, Where Taika Waititi Has a bit of a problem Where he can't establish He can't stick to tone Very mm, well Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of the more Hard hitting moments Could have been done a lot better Like there could have been a lot more build-up to things that maybe if someone else... Like, the film's good, and I think it was directed well, but I think there are moments where if someone else had directed it, it would have just been, like, heartbreaking.
1: Way more impactful.
0: Yeah, yeah. whereas you were just like, oh...
1: Oh, well. I certainly found that in Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah? Exactly the same thing. That the, the tonal... I don't know whether he's deliberately pulling his punches, or whether... That's just not his directorial style, but mm. certainly in that film, because th- there was a couple of gut punches in there, but it's just like the tone isn't as contrasting as I'd like it to be. Mm. I don't know if that's the same. Sort. Yeah,
0: I was like, because like, as I said, at the start where they, where the kids, the big kids are trying to get into to kill a rabbit. You're like, yeah. oh, it's pretty tense. He's like, is he going to do it? Um, and you're like, oh no, really? You're quite concerned for this child, and you're like, oh, okay, this is gonna, like that's I mean. it's going to be this kind of film where like it builds you up and makes you have a good time to forget that along the line there's going to be just this sucker punch, and you're going to be bawling your eyes out. Yeah. But I didn't quite get to that, so it falls short a little bit on that. Whilst it's a great film, and I would recommend you go see it because it's just filled with lots of just good humor and jokes, and I think it's maybe like an important film to watch especially in our you know current climate where things are a little bit dicey you know it's, it's a bit dicey the world might be ending going to war everyone's kind of at each other's throats being like well it wasn't too long ago that things were also a bit messed up I'm glad we've got a vault glad we're hidden in a vault so yeah I, I kind of messed up my con- my concluding thoughts there but you know it's, it's a really good film very funny we'd recommend it but I just think as Taika Waititi kind of does more films that have a kind of serious story to tell. He just needs to kind of tweak the, the the, the emotion just a little bit. Because mm. I don't go to the cinema being like I want to be made to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Some people do. Yeah, but like when you when you get that feeling of like oh this film is gonna maybe take me there, but they're not getting that. You're just like oh, okay cool. Yeah. You know, uh, JoJo Rabbit. Great movie. Lots of fantastic people in it. Like, people just showed up for this film. Sam Rockwell, he's there. He does really well. Stephen Merchant does really well. Johansson, she's great. She, she, Johansson's moments are kind of some of the more tragic moments because there's this whole kind of side story about where Jojo's father is. Like, he's off fighting in the war. But is he... Did he die? Is he, like, in a camp? Is he defected? and like, his mother won't because you see the film from the boy's perspective you're not really too sure about where he is mm. and she's just constantly just she drinks like a lot she's mm. just like drinking to kind of like keep a good face on things uh, but yeah no, she did a really good performance in this I think it kind of really showed that she can she's got chops she's got chops we might see those chops in Black Widow Rise of the Black Widow. I've, you know what? I really hope she smashes that out of the park. Well, I, I really hope it is a film that smashes everything out of the park. You know, yeah, because it looks like I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the Black Widow movie. It looks uh, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it might be more of like a comedy romp, really, than a than a sort of like Winter Soldier style spy thriller. That's what I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. But there's some like there's like oh look here's David Harbour all chubby and washed up he mm. used to be Captain America but for Russia but now he's just a drunken old fool it's like oh you're gonna be this guy huh It's gonna be quips between your sister and that and uh, which is fine which is great I've got no problem with but yeah it would be cool if it was like a sort of like serious spy movie because mm. I know Marvel can do it we saw they could do yeah. it Yeah, our soldier but yeah we'll see we'll see I don't I've, I've, I don't I don't have high or low expectations for Black Widow. Hmm. Um, actually, something that I haven't written down, but I did want to mention, because I brought it up last episode, I think, of the Cowboy Bebop live-action show. You did? You mentioned it? Yeah, my expectations have been sh- shaken somewhat. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> Talk me through it. Because I have uh, I've hardly thought about it at all. I just know it's off in the distance. That's kind of where it is for me. Cowboy it's Bebop live-action, it's... it's it's going to be those ones that just shows up on Netflix one day. Mm. It's like, oh, this is here. Uh, but no, I watched the thing on I saw YouTube gave me this little recommended look. Cowboy Bebop live action interview with the main actors. Um, and I was all right, cool. I'll watch it. And the guy who's playing Spike Spiegel just doesn't sound like he's done his homework. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> They're asking him about, how do you feel the the anime... Translate to live action, and he uses like buzzwords like "oh, it's really out there, it's quite wacky." No, and you know it's it's just going to be a crazy one to bring to live action, man. No, watched, don't. Uh, yeah, I know. So I don't want to like I don't want to go in with like low expectations, but I'm just like he's not as he doesn't seem as passionate about the source material as say maybe Mr. Henry Cavill is about his source material, which we will talk about later. We're gonna We're gonna get there. Put a pin in there. Yeah, but <clears throat> yeah, so the I can't remember the actor's name, but I've seen him and stuff and he's good. And he looks the part. He's grown his hair out in a way that looks like Spike's hair. Oh, right. It's like I didn't realise a real human being could have hair like that. So I was watching it, be like, okay, cool, cool. They've done a little kind of like a few like promo shots with like We got a corgi, guys. <laughs> we got a dog. It's like yeah, because the dog's in the show, so you gotta have a dog. Don't just show me a dog and tell me to Please be excited <laughs> for Cowboy Bebop. Um, but yeah, all the actors are in it. They look pretty good, but it's just like, I don't know. That little snippet of interview, I was like... Meow. That definitely puts me in the same place. I'm just like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, buzzwords. Yeah. Um,
1: Can I just continue on? It's not so much just a little an interview, but a trailer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, which is Morbius. Oh, Morbius. Have you seen the trailer for this? No, I think it's only in the past couple of days this has
1: been around, it's right? It's been only, only re- very recently. So, uh, to catch everyone up, uh, Morbius is the new um, Marvel villain film about a scientist who ha- who is proper crippled, does some science, becomes a mega vampire, played by Jared Leto. I think that's the most simple... I mean, that's essentially what happens. yeah. This isn't MCU, is it? This no,
0: this is Sony's Spider Man villains universe. Yeah, with Venom. He's with it, Venom. So it's,
1: it's the Venom verse. Venom verse. But, um, there is a number of interesting things. One, we have to remember that Blade is a Marvel property. Hmm. So there could be Blade, Morbius stuff going on in the future. Secondly, um, didn't. Wasn't there an indication at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home that there's multiple universities and we can travel between them? And Sony hasn't ruled out the idea that their properties could interact with the Marvel-only properties. So, does that give potential that all of this Venomverse stuff could eventually enter into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the mainstay? Or
0: characters from that could dip in and out? I wouldn't rule that out. I think the mention of the multiverse in Spider-Man: Far From Home was um, Jake Gyllenhaal's like backstory for Mysterio that he made up, hmm. saying that he'd came from an alternate universe. So I don't know if that's like a real thing that exists in 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 the in the MCU. Although there is a lot of talk of what happened in Endgame causing diverging uh realities so there is there is an opening there for venom and morbius and carnage to all show up in the mcu but i think it would only be in a spider-man capacity i think it would be tom holland's spider-man having a venom adventure maybe out with the mcu right and maybe not even referencing it in other movies just being like oh well you've been up to spider-man Doesn't matter. (laughs) It was really bad. There was six of them. It was a bad time. You could say it was carnage. (laughs) (laughs) I got three, guys. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean... What am I? A fucking soothsayer? I don't know. Um, I mean, but I do like to speculate on things.
1: uh, It's... I think it's, it, that would be very exciting because yeah. Sony are piling a lot of resource into this whole... I keep using the term Venomverse. I saw it once online. But but it makes sense, though. It sounds good. Yeah, um, They seem to be piling a lot of resource into the Venomverse. Um, so, I, I mean, if they built it up and it was strong enough, uh, then Marvel could see it as be- co-beneficial because I imagine right now they wouldn't want to attach their mainstay property to it because it's not proven yet.
0: It's a bit of a risk because yeah, it's, like
1: it, it's a risk, but if they get what, five films down underneath under the belt and uh-huh. it's strong, then perhaps they would consider it.
0: Yes. Um yeah, because as far as I'm aware, I've not seen Venom and like I as far as I'm aware I've not seen Venom <laughs> I might have seen it. No, as far as I'm aw- <laughs> as far as I'm aware, Venom didn't do that well. Uh, no, it, did, it didn't review very well, but it did really well. Like yeah. It made millions and millions and millions of dollars for some reason, even though everyone was saying this film's a, a dumpster fire, which is like, I don't know, I think I'm going to check it out. I need to check it out. Because I yeah. enjoy Tom Hardy, and I like Venom as a character, but like, it just looked like the biggest pile of shit. Like, I was <laughs> <laughs> just like, what is this film? What, is cool? what, have they, what are they doing here, you know? But... I don't know I'm confused by by the verse. Sony seem to be putting a lot of effort into something that is such a m- huge risk yeah like Venom did amazingly I think because of just the brand Venom yeah and Venom 2 is in the works mhm um Morbius is coming out but Morbius who knows what Morbius is outside of comic book fans like Morbi what Mor- Morbius
1: Jared Leto being a vampire. Yeah, that, that's enough for a lot of people. But
0: I thought he was the Joker, Robin. You can't have is he, is, he, is Joker now a vampire? People are going to ask, and it's like no, that's a different thing. I don't even know if Jared Leto's Joker's coming back. But Harley Quinn's in the Harley Quinn verse, she's doing Birds of Prey. It's like superhero movies seem to be panicking at the moment. Well, yeah, <laughs> what you got to remember is comic books were all over the place.
1: Like, yeah, remember, like they had so many divergent storylines
0: are all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> they like currently are every so often, as I understand, they just have to go right. Let's write it off, collapse everything down. DC Comics every ten or fifteen years they just restart. Yeah, like I remember the New Fifty Two being like a big new initiative. Like the universe is starting again. We're just gonna do all the origins, and they're gonna diverge. And then I think yeah, like fifteen years later, they were like the universe is starting. Again. <laughs> I like, okay. Yeah, because you have the weird thing where comic book characters, they don't age because of comic book art. Yeah. So I don't know. And now the traditional Chimpus safety message from King of the Wasteland, Sledgehammer the Sixty Hello, hello, subjects. As it has come
1: another year in the wasteland, it is time for us to celebrate and commiserate this year's chimpness. As we all know, since the horror of year 2069, when the apes took over the land, we managed to beat them back for most of the year, but we allow them free reign at chimpness time. I hope you're all bunkered down, because if you're out on the wasteland, you'll be torn limb from limb by savage chimpanzees. Please stay safe,
0: this Chimpmas, and keep your family close. Mutants as well. And that concludes our message from King Sledgehammer, the 16th of the Wasteland Monarchy. Merry Chimpus, everyone, and stay safe and lock your doors. Hide your kids, hide your wife.
1: On a completely different note, uh, I watched The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson Dude, and Willem Defoe. Where did
0: you um, I, Where did you watch The Lighthouse? Did, was this another John Favreau VHS delivery? <laughs> uh, yes. Right. Uh, Robert Eggers sent me
1: one di- directly. Um, now, Robert Eggers, I uh, I got keyed on to The Lighthouse. Uh, I'll just give a little bit of backstory about what The Lighthouse is, because we can't assume that our listener knows the weird stuff that we are thinking about
0: the i mean the uh, looks very good
1: um the lighthouse is a new f- newish film from you know, yes yeah, it's, it's been out it was been out in america six, for six ages it's but it's not out over here until the end of the month anyway the lighthouse um is the new film by robert eggers now robert eggers come from comes from the lineage of the witch made the witch which is a new england horror story about a witch of a witch um, and I, I I watched it. I would give it sort of like you know it's sort of str- seven out of ten territory. You know, oh, the witch. I, yeah. Okay. Tonally very strong. Um, Cinematography is very strong. Anyway, he carries this through into the lighthouse, which is a two-actor film with Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. and some very strong stylistic decisions were made. Now it's filmed in almost all black and white, and it's filmed in nearly one by one ratio. It's not quite one by one. It's like one point. Yeah one one by 1.08 it's just it's just it's essentially 1 by 1 um with big black bands on the sides um and just i've had some amazing thoughts this is a difficult film to watch it's yeah. it's hard watching and i will never rewatch this really however that being said i think it's good and i think it's a very good film to watch yeah there's just Because it's quite experimental, doing things like in a one-by-one ratio, you find you notice things about light in film that you wouldn't notice before. So what I saw was, in a traditional sort of surreal or horror or tense film, as soon as there's light, you kind of relax a little bit, Mm -hmm. and you're like, that's fine. But in this film, because when it's dark, the darkness feels huge, because you've still got a wide screen, even though you've only got a one-by-one... Viewing. Point. Oh, but you've got a black bar as side. You've got these huge black bars. <coughs> so, whenever it's dark, he's chosen to film it that it's dark near the edges of the shot as well, so the darkness just fades into this huge black abyss across cool. the widescreen. So the black scenes feel huge and expansive, but then as soon as it's a light scene, you're cracked back down to that one by one mm-hmm. so it, may, it has the effect of making the light scenes feel really constrained and really tense and really uh, claustrophobic Yeah, and then the dark scenes are still really tense because they're huge and dark and scary so just from that stylistic reason alone I recommend watching it and then there's the fact of if you're into sort of surrealist film uh, it definitely has that David Lynch DNA that Eraserhead yeah, DNA yeah 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 I can't wait and it has like you know Lovecraftian elements. It's and, and the performances from Robert Pattinson, other than Robert Pattinson's slightly sketchy sort of um, Daniel Day Lewis gangs in New York accent. Okay, get hit Robert Robert Pattinson's accent. I would give not super strong. His acting incredible though. Yeah,
0: because where is it? Uh, where is it set? Are they like American uh, or, it's, or new, it's sort of New England area? Oh, okay. I think um, because in the trailer, William defoe has got a bit of a. Yahoy matey he, like, <laughs> yeah. pirate voices. Like is, is he like are they like Cornish I don't know Willem Dafoe is I mean
1: incredible some of his yeah. uh, some of his monologues are just nuts and the film just because of the way they speak to each other because of the te- how tense the film is and they're constantly not lying to each other but saying things that aren't quite accurate mm. so it, the film keeps you sort of not guessing, but not fully understanding what's going on. So you're confused, you're bewildered, you're tense, you're scared. It's just, it's a very intense film. I think yeah. intense is the is the takeaway word. <clears throat> and also based on a semi true story. There was a lighthouse off the coast of uh, off the Cornish coast actually, uh-huh. um, where this sort of stuff went down. There was two dudes on a lighthouse didn't really get on apparently they had a really bad relationship then there was massive gales tore one of the dudes apart and his arm stuck on a window beckoning the other dudes and he went
0: mad fully mad um so it's based on some kind of reality alright but But yeah no messed up shit happens in lighthouses like there's a one off the coast of Scotland where like a wee murder happened Mm -hmm. like um the, the island itself was up for sale a couple years ago um don't know who bought it, but yeah, like was, honestly, there was like a sort of murder story right. attached to it. But yeah, no, it's just and you've got the fucking uh, chewing the fat lighthouse keepers as well. They're always up to mess. <laughs> it's very true. No, I th- yeah, I, I am keen as a bean to see the lighthouse. I can't wait. So,
1: I, it is a film that I would just recommend if you have any interest in film, watch it. Yeah, you might not like it. Uh, but it's an experience you should have.
0: You no, know, I like I like wee cinematic experiences like that because you know I watched Silence when that came out. Oh the yeah, the Scorsese one. That was that was really good. That was weird and harrowing and experimental in a really weird big budget sense. But it was like mm. we're not going to have any soundtrack. It's just going to be crickets and shit in the background. Yeah, and people crying. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, was, I saw like a weird arty film. I saw. Um, I saw the Gorillaz documentary about the band called Reject False Icons. It's a wee documentary made by uh, Jamie Hewlett's son. Mm -hmm. Jamie Hewlett is the guy who does all the art for Gorillaz. He designed the characters. He made all the videos back in the day. And it chronicles the making of the Gorillaz album Humans. Mm-hmm. The Humans Tour mm-hmm. That chronicles the making of the follow up album The Now Now Which as you say you hadn't heard of before Didn't really get much publicity Because I don't think Humans didn't do that well It's not a great album <laughs> uh, The Now Now is pretty decent It's kind of good guerrilla stuff I know we don't really talk about music much On our kind of media review podcast We don't uh, I'm not really into music so much That I can like review it Properly, but I've always been a fan of like gorillas since mm-hmm. I was little. Uh, that's they kind of got me into like hip hop and stuff, you know. Dell, the funky Homo sapien, the later collaborations with uh, MF Doom uh, and Rich Manuva. Uh, so I was really excited to see this film because I do enjoy a music doc to myself. Uh, so I went along to see it, and it's just it's it was a weird experience because it's um, I think Jamie Hewlett's son must have gone to film school and this is was his like dissertation right I see <laughs> do you know what I mean it felt very much like a student film mm-hmm. that because he's associated with Jamie Hewlett and Damon Alburn, he was like I could put this in a cinema and like and it shows like it's a good it's a good uh, film for Gorillaz fans because it shows the making of the album but there's not like it's just it's almost like a series of clips it's right. shot it is shot in, all in black and white as well, because it's film student because <laughs> 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 like, yeah, film student great um, but, but there's no real narrative to it it's not like, say uh, some kind of monster, with the Metallica documentary, where they just happen to be filming at the exact moment where Metallica all fell out with each other and it chronicles like their, the band almost breaking up James going to, he- going to rehab um, and then them getting back together for the triumphant release of the <laughs> ironically not very good St. Anger album. Uh, if you've not seen Some Kind of Monster, by the way, that is a very good music music documentary. It's one of my favourites. But that's kind of set the bar real high for me in terms of music docs. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm expecting, like, are people going to fall out? So be tons of arguments. What's going on? No, it's just footage of Damon Albarn having just a great time. <laughs> Which, is, there's nothing wrong with that. But I like, okay. But there's no real narrative. It's just like, here's him collaborating with famous musician number one. Here's him collaborating with famous rapper number one. And it's just like... I don't know. It's just... just I was sitting in the center and I like, okay. This, is, this looks fun. It's fun to be this guy. <laughs> Great, cool, yeah, yeah. Damon Alburn is, is... He's an insane genius and I love a, a lot of his work. But I was just like, this, this, this doesn't need to be a movie because there's a lot of concert footage as well. I was like, why? Why didn't you just put out like a gig DVD? Mm. Like here's here's the tour DVD that a lot of bands. I don't know if bands really do that anymore. I'm not sure either. Tour DVDs. i got seems a, f- a bit outdated. I got a few Foo Fighters one, mm. and I have a Gorillaz one. But yeah. Anyways, no. Uh, respectful Psychons. I just wanted to bring it up because I've seen it. It was an interesting watch, but it's not like I don't know. I can't tell whether I enjoyed it or not. Really? Because I felt a bit sort of I. I one, I didn't get what I wanted from it. I got something completely different, uh, which was fine. Um, and then also the film was released for free on YouTube, like, three days later. Right. And I'd paid, like, quite a lot of money to go and see it because it was, like, an event. They'd advertised it. as like, in cinemas for one night only, the new Gorillaz documentary about the making of the album. And I was like, this is going to be sweet. Um. So, yeah, I paid, like, about 20 quid to go and see it. <sighs> And then it's just released for free two days later on the old YouTube. And I was like, ah. Oh, That's
1: tough. That's a sore one, man. I would
0: have been happy just watching it at home. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. what. How do you... F- I don't know, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it. I, was, I, I don't know. Like, and I don't yeah. know how
1: to respond because I've never watched the media docu- uh, of a music documentary in my life. So... Oh, there's tons of good ones out there.
0: Well, the Metallica one sounds pretty wild. The Metallica one's really good, actually. Um... Uh, Evolution of Hip Hop on Netflix it's a really good series I think you mentioned this on a previous podcast I've brought it up on the podcast before um, I would highly recommend that season 4 has just come out actually mm. that is one of those seasons that is one of those shows that just a season just releases right like, oh cool more hip hop great <laughs> I'm um, here for that yeah Um, I mean there's obviously like Spinal Tap it's like wow yeah I mean that's not even a real documentary but it's still great um I mean there's yeah I've seen a, I've seen a couple but none come to mind. But yeah, the no, music documentaries are always really good because if you're a fan of the band it gives you a little insight. Especially the Metallica one, like it's not a great album but you really have an appreciation for how much literal pain went into making the album and it makes you enjoy it a lot more. Right, I see. Like especially with the two Gorillas albums that this covers. They're not great but I can see all the work that went into it and I and you can see how much passion Damon Albarn and all the people he collaborated with put into the album it's, that's what's great about Gorillas as a band you get introduced to a lot of artists that you maybe wouldn't have heard, heard of before yeah that's that's what I really liked about the Plastic mm-hmm. Beach album yeah um, and then this one yeah there's tons of uh, good artists um, Lil Sims is like a rapper I've been listening to recently she's really good she's from North London She's, like, not really on the... Because I know Grime, Grime's really big in London and all, but she's not really on the Grime scene. She's more on the, kind of, like, hip-hop edge of that. And she's, mm-hmm. she's so good. She's young as well. She's been rapping since she was, like, 15. And she's, I think, must be in her, like, early 20s by now, but she's solid. Um, so I've been enjoying her work. And I... Came to that through Gorillas. So there's like it's weird. I it's kind of like got so many mixed feelings about this documentary right. that I wasn't even gonna bring up on the show. But, <laughs> You've kinda of gone for it, man. Yeah. It's great. But um yeah, if you can find it on YouTube, give it a watch because it's it's in three parts as well. You don't even have to watch like the whole thing. Nice. Just give it a look. Um don't pay for it like I did, like a I <laughs> Like a <jump. laughs> Uh it was cool though. I mean, yeah, I I don't know if I was expecting like more gorillas lore. Because the gorilla's lore is pretty heavy mm-hmm. up until Plastic Beach, where they're just like, Ah, fuck it, it's fine." They're just because, did you do you know much about the gorilla's lore? No, or the background? no. Talk me through it, actually. Okay, so they brought out a massive book post Demon Days called uh, *Rise of the Ogre*, and uh-huh. it's like their autobiography of like the characters. You got Murdoch, 2D, Noodle, and Russell. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how all the band met. There's a lot of deals with the devil. There's like ru- like trying to they're on the, they're on the run from Charles Manson. Um, <laughs> what? But they in terms like you want to talk about our us being connected to so many universes like the Gorillas universe is connected to like X Men is connected to like real life is connected to films like they they just take what they want which is really good I do love it because uh, Russell Hobbs the drummer he was like the one who's possessed by the demon. And he spent some time in, like, the Xavier Institute. Because <laughs> he had these special, like, ghost powers. But then, like, Murdoch busts him out. He's like, no, you're going to come be in a band with me. <laughs> um, basically, the story of Gorillas is, like, Murdoch just being like, no, you're in my band now. Yeah. Um, just kidnapping people. And recently, what's been confusing is, in, in more recent Gorillas video, Murdoch's not been in them. It's been another guy who looks weirdly like Murdoch. Do you know... Powerpuff he Girls. He's a guy, he's just a guy from the Powerpuff Girls, not even like a main guy. He's just like one of the bullies or whatever. I never watched Powerpuff Girls, but I was like I was like, "Who's why is Murdoch not in this?" It's like, "Oh, he's like legit canon from the Powerpuff Girls." <laughs> Which is like, that's awesome. It's really cool that they've just been like, "No, nope, we like this guy. <laughs> Let's get him in." Um so yeah, cuz uh, Murdoch is in prison at the moment for probably many things cuz he's always breaking the law. But I'll lend you the book. Uh, Rise of the Ogre is very very good yeah that'd be great it's really like it's actually it's like a massive big encyclopedia almost it's got tons of like charts and illustrations that's co- that sounds almost like the Zelda book that was brought out yeah <laughs> because Zelda having a very loose lore and then Miyamoto just being like actually no they are all connected I guess a little bit and then trying to put them all in order so the Gorilla's lore it was kind of there but mm. It seems in later stuff they're not really putting. I mean, they're not putting out another book, as far as I know. It'd be really interesting, but uh, yeah. Um, gorillas, what a what a what a concept! They are one of my favorite bands. Like growing up.
1: So. Um, I'm, well, I'm glad you know uh, the gorillas weren't there for chimpness.
0: <laughs> Hello, Yuval Noah Harambe here. That's not, you have to do more of an academic voice. Oh yeah, because that's just Ewan McGregor voice. Ewan, that's Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Hi, Ewan McGregor here. <laughs> with my good friend Yuval Noah Harambe to talk about his new book, Mempians: a breakdown of the ten most influential memes of the decade. Hello there. Hello. Hi. Hello. My name is Yuval Noah Harambe. And uh, my favourite memes of the decade were obviously Harambe, uh, Pepe, uh, Annoying Orange was pretty good. He broke into the, uh, into the decade just at the end of 2009 there, I think, maybe. Uh, you can read all, all about it in my new book, Mempians, uh, which is a breakdown of all the hottest memes and dankest uh, jokes from 2009 to 2020. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yuval Noah Harambe here signing off with a mug of mulled wine hunkering down with the best read for the Chimpus season. meme Alright, and that was my good friend Yuval Noah Harambeam Harambe. Harambeam Harambeam Yuval uh, Harambi Harambe. He's was voted this year world's strongest redditor. Uh, <laughs> don't mess with him, cause he'll punch you out. He'll downvote you with his fists. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could do something with like that. It's weird. <laughs> That's pretty fucking weird, man. Should we move on to topic of the week?
1: Are you uh, ready for
0: that? We can move on to topic of the week unless you want to hear about uh game of the year Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I haven't played it. Please talk me through Mr. it. Mr. Dark Souls from software himself has not played, has not played Sekiro. Sekiro. Uh well, you don't have a games console currently, so no, I don't. Uh yeah, no I got Sekiro yeah. uh, over over the Chimpus break. Because uh, I'd heard it got game of the year, and I was like, "Wow!" Can to talk about it on the podcast? Um, it's I'm gonna say it's my first proper From Software experience. Wow! Because I do have Dark Souls remastered on the Switch, but like I I can't I just can't get to grips with it. I think it's like Dark Souls the first, so I think that's before they really like refined everything down to like I don't know. Like, what do you think? I actually think that... Oh, yeah. Give me an answer without saying the words get good. <laughs> I can't. Also meme of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I think that certainly the later Dark Souls are more accessible. Sure. However, I think that something was lost in that progression. Okay, yeah. Um, I think that Dark Souls 1 had... It was janky. Mm-hmm. There was janky. But it was also one of the things that made it quite inaccessible was just how slow things were. Rolling was slow, attacking mm-hmm. was slow, moving was slow. And that all got tightened up in Dark Souls 2 and 3. Certainly in Bloody Bloodborne, that's fast ass. Yeah. And for a modern game consumer, that's a lot more accessible, but Dark Souls is sluggish.
0: Yeah, that's what I got from it. Is like, it's like things aren't really going. Even when things shoot arrows at you, they like, move through the air like at one mile an hour. It's yeah. Like,
1: But I think that that, that's part of it because it really hammers home the fact that this is... We made a a discussion about how games can masquerade as other genres. Yes. Um, Dark Souls is kind of an example of that Mm. to some extent. Obviously, Mm. you know, it's an action RPG. um, But a lot of the way it plays is tactical. So you have to think about each engagement because you know that you press the attack button and there's like a two second wind up or whatever, yeah, yeah. and similar to Monster Hunter in some ways, mm-hmm. but, um, and I think that that was lessened and the, there was more action in in subsequent, subsequent yeah. and I think that Sekiro was probably <clears throat> more
0: action oriented. There is uh, certainly lots of action in Sekiro. Um, I feel it definitely does have the Dark Souls feel of combat, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it. They seem to have been like No it is all about parrying You Like actually Like Dark Souls doesn't tell you that You just have to kind of figure it out Whereas this is like No parry And you'll get the opening And you, and it's all based on like Wearing down the enemy's defence mm-hmm. Like instead of a health bar They've got like You know how long they can Hold off, hold off your attacks for uh, you can, I mean You can't just like Wail on them either Because they'll parry you And like gut you Um so it feels more. It is definitely quite a technical combat system that is frustrating and difficult and enraging. But once you're good at it, it like feels. It does. You do feel like an absolute champ once you have it down. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not even that far in it at all because it's one of those games that like I've not played it much recently. I've actually gotten quite a lot of games recently that I won't talk about. now because I've spoken about Gorillas for so long. But Sekiro, I did want to definitely talk about once. You figure out how to defeat a certain enemy or a boss. You do feel like king of the world. You're like, yes, I can actually do it, and it does reward you for putting the time in. Like times where you're like, I'll ah, just fuck it, I'll just, I'll just play Devil May Cry or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, so that, but it does reward you for going back, figuring out, really tactically thinking about battles. And I think there's a dog outside. There's a dog outside. Do we have to worry about dogmas? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, not again! <laughs> packs of wild dogs roam the streets. Um, I think what it had, what it had for me over Dark Souls was, in Dark Souls, you're just kind of told, on you go, just you be whichever character you want. There's all these classes, not with not very defined. Like as a as a novice, doesn't really give you like a difference between what the character classes do. It's like there's a cleric who's vaguely more better at healing. There's like a ranger style character. There's there's just your all out knight you can just go around bashing people. Whereas in Sekiro is like no you're you're a you're a samurai. You got a sword. This is what you're gonna be. I appreciate the the more not handholding but just like here no this is your guy. You don't need to worry about which class is better. Just here's here's a, here's a samurai. Just go and have sword fights because that's what this game is all about. Mm. And I really enjoy that, and I love the aesthetic of it as well—the kind of like fantasy feudal Japan theme where there's like mental giant ogres and like little like witch people, and and uh, yeah, like all the all the samurai generals are like ten feet tall, and you're just like this little and like whoosh, oh, trying to block off attacks is very you know very slow and calculated, and it is is great, and it looks and sounds amazing, and I just kind of wish it wasn't so. No, no. Actually, I don't wish it wasn't so hard. I just wish there was. I just wish it wasn't so distracting from what the actual story is because I don't have any idea what's going on in the story because you spend so much time trying to figure out how to fight, fight, get make your way through a certain boss. Because mm. once you pass that, you're like, oh, God, thank God I beat him. Right. Um, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> is that kind of like okay? What, what now? Because uh, there's like there's just so much focus on the combat, which is fantastic. I just... Like, the story just takes total back seat. I know you're supposed to be rescuing, like, a little kid, but why? I think he's, like, your boss or something. Um, you've got, like, a cool mechanical arm. Um, there's a whole reason for, like, you can die and come back to life immediately, and that's tied into the story somehow, but you're like, I don't make people ill. There's, like, a dragon sickness whenever you come back to life. It affects the world around you, which is really cool, but it's just like, why is it doing this? I don't know. I've been spending... Like, put like five hours into trying to kill a giant. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's good fun. It's really good fun. I've, as far as Game of the Year is concerned, um, yeah, it's a good one. Mm. It's really good. I don't know if I've played any of the other Game of the Year contenders. Um, i need to look at the list, but yeah, it's good. Really good.
1: I have to say, essentially, what you described as being a good thing there, that you have a set character who has a story, um, I don't know, I feel that that kind of, that was the first thing that bothered me. Mm. Obviously I haven't played it yet, but this is what bothered me when I first caught eyes on Sekiro, is that it's part of the whole Dark Souls aesthetic for me was the fact that you're just a random dude, you don't matter, none of this matters, mm. the world hates you, no one cares, um, and you just happen to be the one that does it. Someone else would have done it if you didn't.
0: I mean, there's something cool about that. Um, yeah, that story but they're going hard. for a
1: different thing, you know. Mm. They shouldn't be stuck in, in repeating the same cycle. Yeah, over.
0: yeah. Obviously, it's good to try new things, and I like that hook of just like you're just a random Joe who gets put in this shit situation. But I think the I I think what confused me with Dark Souls initially was like, well, is there a certain class I should go? That's like the best one to be. Because I did want to be like a magic user, but like the start of the game doesn't seem set up for that kind of combat at all. Because mm-hmm. there's just tons of like hand to hand combat that needs done. If, if I, and I heard I could play as like a wizard. I was like, I'll be a wizard! But now nah, wizards are just going to get killed straight away. So it's just <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't. So i um, Dark I'm Souls.
1: In... Not if you get good.
0: Yeah, not if you get good. Dark Souls, I will. It is there, it is on my list. Of things to do, but it's just uh, it's okay, I'll get the hang of it. It's just, I'll show you some speedrun strats. You'll, yeah, um, but apparently, much better playing with a pro controller, uh, which I do have, yeah. Um, I have, I don't think I've played it undocked actually. I don't know, i am have a think about that one. If you play it with Joy Cons, your hands are gonna explode, yeah. Sekiro, though, very good, good. I'm i am a fan, I'm here for, I'm, I'm in this from software. Bubble now. You're in the ecosystem. I'm in the ecosystem. So yeah, no, good job, good job uh, from software. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh So yeah, now quite happy to move on to topic of the week. If if you are topic of the week, um, The Witcher. The Witcher. I didn't have a segue for that one either. Uh, topic of the week is Witcher, and let's let's just do it. The Netflix original series, The Witcher. With starring Henry, Henry Cavill, Cavill and no one else you've ever heard of. Exactly. <laughs> <So. laughs> um we'll, we'll kick it off. Uh did you like it? It's not a complicated one. Mm. I liked The Witcher. I did not like the adventures of Princess No Name, and I did not like the adventures of the actual witch I completely
1: agree with that statement yeah
0: Um, uh, I'll go yeah Um, you go first yeah I want to hear what you think I've
1: got some pretty like I've thought about this quite a lot right and I think it's interesting that we did the Mandalorian because there is some similarities here yeah which I noticed so you actually defended the Mandalorian by saying you know what it exists in this campy sci-fi channel Um, like universe that hasn't had anything in it for a, a while you know yes. like your you're Stargate Atlantis that kind of stuff um, I actually think this does the same for like you know Xeno Warrior Princess Hercules that kind of that kind of campy I disagree fantasy stuff finish your in, thought oh. in, the, in this area where it is just actually Henry Cavill's Witcher yes in okay. those scenes when it's Henry Cavill's Witcher or in the bard cutting around having adventures that's very much like Zena, Hercules—the kind of campy fantasy adventure mm-hmm. with monsters and knights and dragons and all that sort of stuff. Brilliant, and I loved that. I, I think that's great. I think it was executed perfectly, like really, really good. Nice level of camp, nice level of interaction between the Witcher being this gruff badass and like actually kind of, you know, there's all this stuff about destiny and him just shrugging it off and be like, "This is nonsense," and it's. That's, that's fun. It was good fun and I enjoyed it. It was a good fun romp. But then there's the other side of The Witcher that included <laughs> Princess, I can't remember her name, Siri. Uh, Princess Siri and Jennifer, Yennefer.
0: Yennefer of Venga Boys. Uh, <laughs> just not an original but well, uh, you know. Yeah, it's very funny. It's a good one, eh?
1: And they're like trying to. Uh, the way these are filmed is just so tonally different. It's trying to be all super serious and all like, oh, we're built, this is so important. And it's like. It just feels not done very well. I know. And it doesn't... It's... it's Choose one. Choose one. You're either trying to be this, like, big, grand Game of Thrones-style masterpiece, or you're trying to be more like the games, I think. Mm. The Witcher, funny, caddish, monster-killing badass, who's going about chatting to his horse and having a laugh. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to be? And you're trying to be both, and that's not really working. I think it... For me, I think it's strong enough in the sort of wit in, in the scene, the Henry Cavill scenes, that it pulls over, it pulls through the rest of it. Yeah. But the rest of it does nothing but drag it back.
0: Yeah, I had to skip through a lot of the B and C plots because I was like, this is not what I signed up for at all. The episodes where I think it's episode two or three, where for the first half hour, there's a total of like three minutes of Henry Cavill, and I said. This is The Witcher. Where's Where's The Witcher? <laughs> you know, and you're dealing with like, I just don't care. I just don't care about series backstory. I don't really care. I mean, the Yennefer stuff gets good. I don't even agree. I think the Yennefer stuff is just awful, and she is the worst
1: character. Mm. Hypocritical, okay, nonsense, rude, unkind selfish yeah. she's just nonsense so uh, she's she, she, she has this transformation during the process yeah. where she turns from um it sort of it she had a hunchback she's not doing she's not in a great physical state she gets the old 60 minute makeover and, and then she gets a 60 minute makeover which is basically intense magical plastic surgery queer eye for her the magic into, guy you know like Jennifer the mega babe and part of it at the very start, says, if you do this, you will not be able to have children. Yes, do you want to proceed? And she says, hell yeah, I want to proceed. Then a couple of episodes later, she she goes and says, oh, I can't believe you did this to me. Yeah. I never asked for this. It's, it's like,
0: like, you stole my thing. And you, I was like, no. No, no, you... Asked for this and then specifically broke the rules to go and do it. She's like, You're not allowed to do this thing. She says, Fuck you, I'm doing it anyway. So take my woman uterus, go for it. And then, yeah, three episodes
1: she she directly contravenes herself Uh and then she does it again when she kicked all her friends. So In this in this universe, um, people who fail to become witches essentially get turned into eels, and then they get get kicked. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so dumb. They get kicked into this pool of water, and then they become energy, right? But Jennifer gets told to like kick her eel friends into the pool um, because she's really good, Um, and then she has this little scene where she smiles at her tutor, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm really good." Mm. And then later on she goes back to this and then shows all these young wannabe witches, and she's like, look at this, this is where your friends are, this is so horrible and it's like, look, Yennefer, pal, like, a little while ago you were happily kicking your pals into this Mm. because you wanted to do this. What are you? Are you either, are you either, uh, like, regretful, are you proud like, where do you stand your character makes no sense yeah. unless you're established as a massive schizophrenic which you haven't been it, it, it's nonsense her character's contradictory her plot line is boring it's I, I want nothing to do with Yennefer cool. I am not here for Yennefer
0: the only bit of Jennifer I liked was when she had her little shop in the town mm-hmm. and she was like selling potions and shit
1: mm-hmm.
0: that was cool I would have been happy for that to be the introduction to her character yep the Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's trying too hard to fill the Game of Thrones void. But it's like, you don't need to do that. <clears throat> we just had Game of Thrones. Very, people are very much over Game of Thrones because Season 8 was such a travesty. They don't want it. For a little while, at least. Just give it time to mull over. But I think this was the problem with His Dark Materials. was that I think fantasy shows feel because of Game of Thrones, they feel like they have to have three different storylines going on at the same time, and then they'll all converge for a giant battle at the end of the the season. It's like, you don't have to do that. That's just what Game of Thrones did, because it was already written, and that was George R. R. Martin's plan Mm -hmm. to show a story. Game of Thrones is about the Kingdom of Westeros. And it shows you the story of the Kingdom of Westeros from several different perspectives. Whereas His Dark Materials is about Lyra Belasqua. So you want to focus on her. The Witcher is about the Witcher, Geralt of Rivia, Butcher of Blaviken. It's about him. Focus on him and bring in Ciri later. Bring in Yennefer later. Well, Just have them, have them be side characters, not a side plot. Because I don't care that there's going to be a massive war because what all you're doing is slinging place names out made up place names which mm-hmm. I find ridiculous the old queen's like oh Nelfgard's attacking us from the west Is like what the fuck's Nelfgard oh the king of Nelfgard th-? and they They'd name drop Skellige and Nelfgard to appease the fans obviously but if you're someone who doesn't know the source material it's like what are these words that you're saying to me Yeah. It's just like... The whole whole
1: perspective and different plot lines thing, it's nonsense because one, the source material is the games. Yeah. Where you play as Geralt Geralt of Rivia. Yeah. (laughs) From his perspective all the time. Unless it's in The Witcher 3... Where you actually play, from spoiler alert, Ciri becomes kind of a witcher and a bit of a badass, actually. Oh, that's, it's very cool. I wouldn't say it's a spoiler, that's just what the game does. That's it. what the game spo- does. But if they wanted to do the whole subplot thing, they could have done it like that when Ciri was an adult. Yeah. And done bits with the witcher and bits with Ciri, and that would have remained true to the mm-hmm. source material and would have been way more interesting. Yeah, because and- I don't
0: give a shit how Geralt came to find Ciri. I just want him to be like maybe he's just like oh this is my young protege Cirilla and it's you know it's just a girl hanging out at being a badass and she can have her own side plot which is fine but I don't like it's like the whole Star Wars prequels thing you don't care how Darth Vader became Darth Vader just give gives Darth Vader please yeah you know what I mean and can we talk about timelines Yeah, pointless
1: I'm so glad you brought it up so
0: pointless it's like trying to be clever
1: trying to be clever and all it does is make a confusing mess you know what it reminded me of in a friends episode where Rachel is trying to make a trifle an English trifle you know (laughs) and she's trying to be super clever and then she ends up putting meat in the trifle you know it's you don't want meat in your trifle and you don't want mixed up timelines that make no sense nor are explained it's Pointless. It's pointless. It adds nothing. It only serves to detract.
0: Because it's not like Geralt of Rivia is a time traveler. No, I don't. I don't get what what the point is in being like. Oh, but did you realize this was actually happening several years ago? Like, no, but, but huh? Why was it happening Why don't you just put the story in chronological order? So like, you're not Tarantino. You're not Christopher Nolan. You're not Tarantino. They can get away with it because they they know what they're doing. You can't just and there's also those many of those stories. That's the story. That's yeah. the point. You can't just.
1: It seems to be used for a needless stylistic bonus. Oh. and it is just falling so flat.
0: Imagine if I was telling you a story about like how I went to like the store and like bought a chicken, and I and I started the story be like. So I got home with this chicken, right? And I realised that... Oh, the sell-by date on the... The chicken was past its sell-by date. But, did you know... That I went to Tesco for that chicken? And also the woman that sold me it... She came from Poland. Let me tell you a little bit about her for but a no, You know what? That actually makes sense to some extent. Because <laughs> you're giving precursors
1: to each thing. What How that would actually be in The Witcher directorial style was... And I saw the... Um, uh, I saw the chicken was out of date. And then I crossed the road to get to Tesco to pick up the chicken. It, like, there's no... And then random
0: cutaway to the girl no from preface. Poland growing up yeah, in exactly. Poland. <laughs> Makes no sense. Let me tell you about a young Polish girl. Uh, <laughs> she eventually turns out to be the woman that sold me the chicken. But uh, i got to tell you about... Her about how she did in her exams in high school because uh, it's very irrelevant. So I so. turned baby oven up to 260 degrees. It's just, <laughs> it's madness. So there I was, boiling some potatoes.
1: Also, it's um it's got another massive sin, which is just trying to over-explain. Over-explain in some places and just remain completely correct, like, completely cool in other places. So, why are you explaining so much about it, 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 the, system, the the magic system for Yennefer I don't care and like what's the point in building up all these characters who have different magical styles killing most of them and then having Yennefer just be a badass kill everyone mm. it's like it doesn't make sense you've not made it consistent so you're massively over explaining this stuff that I don't care about and you're being super cool and holding back all the information about how a witcher becomes a witcher. Yeah. Which is awesome. Keep that going. More of
0: that, please. No, I definitely think where this falls flat is like it doesn't focus on the witcher quite nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy for all the side characters to be in there. just It's, it's, just, it's just not been put together correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I liked that one of the episodes I did really like was when Geralt meets Yennefer, mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, okay, cool, that's a bit of their backstory. That is a cool little Witcher adventure. Um, yeah, I think more. I think it could has a, it could learn a lot from the Mandalorian. I think this Witcher series, but it seems to have very much made his bed. Now it's gonna be it's gonna be this series, you know. Well, I'm really. I really hope. I mean, I know
1: I'm, I'm punching this out a little early, but I would absolutely go outside for The Witcher. I really, really like it. But it's because I really like that little, this is a Witcher adventure. Yeah. And what I hope to God is, because a lot of people have made these same comments um, in reviewing it and in discussing it. I really hope that they just take it on board and say, okay, we're not going to do this Game of Thrones stuff. We're just going to make Here's Little Witcher Adventures. That's going to be okay. Mm. Because honestly, if season two rolls around and I have to watch more bloody Yennefer, like, moping around being completely character inconsistent, yeah, um, and get more backstory about her that I don't care about, I might have to switch off. Like, because I want to see The Witcher cutting a. What's the Witcher doing today? He's killing a griffin. And, awesome.
0: And Henry Cavill, like he loves that role as well. He's it's such God a God, he does. I promised myself I wasn't going to get excited for the Witcher series and then mm. I started watching videos where Henry Cavill is just like, I love the Witcher. The Witcher's fucking great. And I was like, it is. You're right, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> the Witcher is great. It's like, this is going to be awesome. And it is awesome when Henry Cavill is playing the Witcher. I wasn't convinced at first. I was like, he doesn't look like Geralt of Rivia. Yeah. But then, like, Geralt of Rivia looks different in every game. (laughs) That's true. So I was like, yeah, no, whatever. And he was sort of saying, you know, he took a lot of vocal cues from uh, Doug Cockle, who did the voice for Geralt. He was like, I was originally going to be, like, just a Yorkshire voice. Uh, but But then, obviously, playing The Witcher, like, Doug Cockle's voice is so iconic, I wanted to bring a bit of that in as well. But not have, like, an American voice, just be just gonna be me you know mm-hmm. I mean this is American that's just what I go into but you know uh, it's um yeah so he re- seems to really love it every so.
1: interview I've seen with Henry Cavill in, he's just gushing
0: over how much he loves The Witcher the guy loves this role he which,
1: really wanted to play this yeah role.
0: which is kind of what I meant earlier when I said the guy who's playing Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop is like mm. anime I guess yeah <laughs> so it's like okay cool uh, but like you'd cut, you'd cut Henry Cavill and you'd Bleed Witcher, you know? Yeah. It's wild. So, yeah, and uh, you know what? Another thing I noticed this film really puts the eye in CGI. Mm, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You really notice that those orange eyes mm-hmm. and like Yennefer's purple eyes. Everyone has weird colored eyes, and why did they not just put contacts in?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is from the, the games. I, I actually get
0: that. No, I get that. Like, I know that the Witchers have cat eyes, and I know Yennefer has purple eyes, but why not just give them contacts? Because it's really obvious... Why do you think it's a bit overdone? It's really CGI'd in. You'd notice it so hard. It's just like, yeah, it it put me off. I don't know. I don't like... I would would not go outside for The Witcher, because I already have The Witcher that I want. Yeah. It's like, if we're going to go back to memes of the decade, it's like... At the store, I want Witcher. And your mum says, we have Witcher at home. (laughs) (laughs) And what is really at home is the Witcher Netflix series. Mm. And not uh, The Witcher 3. Um, Not to dump on it
1: more, but I feel that this is a bit of a dump fest. Um, Yeah, I
0: I wasn't expecting us both to be so heavily against it. Well, we're both heavily against it, but I'm also for it. It's weird. Um,
1: it, It was... The whole, like thing about the Witcher is the dude is a mercenary. He's out to just he doesn't care what side it's on. Yeah. And then by building up this whole like oh, Nilfgaard are attacking, they're making us who are suppo- we're supposed to have the Witcher's perspective. Yeah. We're starting to care about whose side, who's right, and who's wrong. Whereas uh, in The Witcher 3, you go across the battlefront and you fight on both sides.
0: Uh, yeah you do you yeah do. I forgot about that yeah,
1: and you like pick up contracts on one side kill a monster yeah. and go on the other side kill a monster because the Witcher doesn't care yeah. this seems this is human problems who he's got nothing to do with you know and it's, yeah that, that doesn't come through it's like oh god
0: dude, I hope the Witcher is going to be punching for the good team who don't have the scary armour I think that might be something that comes out in the second season of The Witcher Mm -hmm. like they they might deal more with Nilfgaard because I remember in some episodes they were like well Nilfgaard gave me a job should they burn down my village but look I'm mining now Mm. they're giving me a job and it's like well fair enough so I do so they do seem to be touching on that a little bit so maybe in season 2 which I probably won't watch (laughs) they'll be like but Nilfgaard gave me a job though you know, what did you ever do for me, King, Fucking so keep me out on the streets? So, yeah. I don't know. I just... We have Witcher at home. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know? And it's fu- it is funny. What I think has... What I think our difference is, because I think we've got the exact same opinions here. I, ju- I think those... Let's call them Witcher adventures. I think that's the best way to describe them. Yeah. The, the bit where it is actually the Witcher having an adventure. They're very good. I think... I think they're strong enough to pull it through, and I think that you don't.
0: What well, I think don't. I don't think no. I I was honestly just so bored mm-hmm. because there's not enough uh, of that. I've been playing a couple of video games recently, where uh, you know when you're playing a video game and you're in the action for about five seconds, and there's like ten minutes of cutscene. Oh, SquareSoft. Yeah, SquareSoft, Capcom do it a wee bit as well. Yeah. Um a lot of Japanese companies do this actually where um, yeah you, they, they'll be like here's here's a bit of gameplay and now 15 minutes of exposition and now here's 5 minutes of gameplay and now here's for 20 minutes it's like give me the game that's and I wanna, a
1: very good comparison that's what I felt think. like
0: The Witcher I just want to play The Witcher yeah. you know so I, I think I'm going to play The Witcher 3 through again I think it has given me the, the Witcher, thirst the thirst because pl- I played through it on our little hiatus uh, Witcher three is very good, by the way, um, and I'll go back. And speaking of going back to things, I actually, rather than finish watching the Witcher, I just started watching the Mandalorian again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's funny that I brought that up as a comparison. Yeah,
0: cause, you see what I mean about the sort of campy. Fantasy, yeah, because I think there campy is sci-fi I think. Can- fantasy campy sci-fi has been missing since kind of before Game of Thrones came along. I think, but so. I think people have forgotten that there is that genre because because everyone's a nerd now. Mm-hmm. And everyone thinks not that it's a bad thing. I'm not going to get into that conversation. But everyone's a nerd now. But everyone thinks that it is Star Wars needs to be how Star Wars is now. Game of Fantasy needs to be how Game of Thrones was. Uh, zombie stuff all needs to be like Walking Dead. It's like there's different aspects of all of that. You're all forgetting the wider picture here. You gotta, you gotta take a little bit of Xena and and the Adventures of Hercules, and just run it run with that with the Witcher yeah. t- and where, and I think. Well, sorry. The Mandalorian can't do it all by himself. Mm-hmm. He's a very capable warrior, but you can't fill that gap that everyone's wanting of campy fantasy adventures. They should bring the budget of The Witcher way down. I wouldn't say way down. <laughs> should bring it way down <laughs> <laughs> and just have him like use the same set for every different village he goes to. Uh, you know, have like just mute the soundtrack. Should just be like pretty much one man on a keyboard. I don't I, no, I just I want Henry Cavill I want the best for Henry Cavill which is why I think I feel so strongly by The Witcher because I was expecting well I wasn't expecting much but I'm just disappointed by what I got I think what the way it should have been
1: done and hopefully will be done in future is the narrative should follow like how the game the, the Witcher 3's narrative follows which is uh, it takes a lot of its stylistic cues from The Witcher 3 yes. is that Witcher You have your main quest, and then you have side quests. Yeah. Classic game game structure. Mm -hmm. But why was the series not made that each episode is a side quest, all leading toward the main quest? Yeah. Why was that not how it's done? Side quest, kill a griffin, cool. On the way, you get a little bit more story towards the end of the main quest. Second quest, you go pick up uh, some herbs for Yennefer. Whatever you yeah. end up going through the castle and there's an origin. And you learn Whatever. a little bit more about the main story each time. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's how you that's how you interface with the game.
0: Yeah. So why did they not just do that? Because the hedgehog boy was such a fantastic example of that. Mind how the queen, who was Siri's grandmother, met the Witcher in the past. Yeah. And he convinced her not to kill the hedgehog boy. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was going to marry uh, the, the the princess. That was classic. Fantasy, Witcher, fodder. That is what you want. Um, Funny that you say about video games, because I think, ironically, the the, the Mandalorian that wasn't based on a video game felt more like a video game in the first two episodes, where it was like, Welcome to my cantina. Here is a bounty. Upgrade your armour like this guy's a menace you want to watch out for him I totally get you I so totally loved it I, I did love how the how the Mandalorian felt like a video game yeah it's like upgrade your armor pick a level it's, yeah. yeah the, but the Witcher should have just been that it's like should have been that should have just I just think the Mandalorian should just be the Witcher and vice versa I think that's a
1: crossover hmm who would win um,
0: don't, don't answer that oh We can talk about that. Maybe we can have a little chat about who would win between Geralt of Rivia and the Mandalorian.
1: That's like... I mean, I don't know if we can punch into that kind of nerdvana. I don't think we're there yet. I'm
0: already thinking about it. I'm already running over the battle in my head. So am I. Doing the (laughs) calculations, Parsing it. (laughs) Um, It's definitely the Witcher. Um, Yeah, maybe Geralt would win. Geralt's... Yeah. But then, like... Beskar armor, can that withstand the blade? That's true. I mean,
1: we'd need to know the interaction between Beskar armor and... So the steel wouldn't go through it. Steel sword. With the silver blade? It's a silver blade. It's, it's for monsters. Although, no, because they both get enchanted, don't they, in the games? They can get enchanted with yeah.
0: stuff. And then if he uses spells... The fucking fight! Oh, where he was... The very first time you see him used like... Is it Quen? The, like, force push? Yeah. That was sick. That, like, one-shot fight was... The the, the the massacre of Blaviken yeah yeah oh my god that was
1: so cool like, yeah, to be honest I actually think that alone pulls through the whole season
0: yeah I'd forgotten about that until just now but it's, yeah the little bits where he does use his spells and shit uh-huh. and when he takes a potion he go, looks all horrific yeah yeah I mean it started off really strong you know and I was like oh this is what the series is going to be great oh who's this now oh what who are you uh, I don't care yeah, I don't care. So yeah, weird. I wouldn't go outside for it though, um, which is the whole point of the review, really. Yes. Um, I've, I've I've got The Witcher three. I'll just play that. Um.
1: Well, I would. I would go outside for The Witcher, and you know what? Even though I have all of these criticisms, I think those bits that I like are strong enough that I would proudly go outside for The Witcher. Okay. Um, Fair
0: enough. Let me know how you get on.
1: Um. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> Um, so
0: as, as always guys, don't go outside. Don't go outside because, uh, the butcher of Blaviken is, uh, he's just going nuts. Everyone's scared of him, but turns out he has a heart gold. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to go outside. Uh, I'd hug Henry Gavel. No, I would hug Henry Cavill. You, I think he'd be good at hugging as well. He looks like a, you know. I actually, genuinely, I'm in love with that man. I think he's a good egg. I just, I want, I, I want to be his pal. I want him to be my pal. I want to get him on the podcast. We can talk to him about the Witcher. It's like, listen, man, we'll keep our tempers down. Just you talk to us about the Witcher. Do you
1: think we could get Henry Cavill on the podcast?
0: I think we could get him on Twitch and we played like had a like playthrough of The Witcher Three. With Henry Cavill. Oh my god. This podcast needs to finish. I really don't think we're big enough for that.
1: As always, guys, don't go outside because someone might
0: butcher your (laughs) blaviken. Okay. (laughs) Let's do do that one again. As always, guys, don't go outside because someone might butcher your blaviken.